This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we continue to navigate the incredible move of God with our uh, with the revival that's happening, I would say our, with God's reviving of yeah. his people at Long Hollow in our community and really all over the world. We've got a lot of crazy stories of people in South America, in Maine, in a number of states and locations. Middle East last week, middle, Asia. I mean, it's just... Africa. It's crazy, and it's at the level where you're like, this is only God. Yeah. You, you can't take credit. You want to take credit, maybe, but you can't. No. Not that you want to. I'm just saying, when we think about these things... You can't even take credit. We can't. There's Nobody. nothing we can take credit for. And and this week, we're going to lean into uh, what happened on that, that... I would say the start, but as we've been listening these last few weeks, the start is really praying, seeking, asking God to radically change us. That's where we think things started with this revival. But this yes. is part of how God has shown us and poured out uh, his grace and mercy on his people here. And it's just been incredible. Uh, walking in the water. Yeah. Not on the water. No, we're hoping to get to people in the water, but it just hit me. I probably need to share one more backstory. Backstories are yeah, always good. Because the, I, I think people need to hear all of this. This wasn't just one day God showed up. And now granted, God can do what he wants. He can but show our us. promise to our promise is we will talk about that day today. We will try to. We will try to talk <laughs> about the day today. Here's what I want to start with. In ministry, if you're in ministry of any kind, it's very easy to rely on intellect and ingenuity mm. instead of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I got really good at that. I, I, I went to seminary. Uh, I, I remember back to when I was a new believer, Chris. When I when I had this radical, and I talk about this, a hint at it, a hint at it in my testimony. But I had this twenty four hour experience with Christ, a radical experience with Christ. And after that, I had such an anointing on me as a new Christian. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with the anointing. I abused the anointing. I just be honest. I went back and tried to save two friends in the world. And if you know my testimony, I relapsed on drugs and uh, really lost the anointing on my life. Uh, and then really after that, I thought, okay, I need to go to seminary and train. And I love seminary and seminary was so good for me personally, because I knew nothing going in. But I remember my first day on campus, mm -hmm. uh, David Platt had been discipling me from August the year before. Mm -hmm. I started January of 2004. I go into David's office. He's the assistant to the dean of the chapel at this time. And I go into David's office and I say, David, where's the prayer group? Where does the prayer group meet that's praying for revival on this campus? Mm -hmm. David said, what prayer group are you talking about? I said, no, no, the prayer group that meets. See, because when I thought I was going to seminary, I was going to be the closest to the apostles in Jesus's day. Yeah. I thought these are people who lived and slept and dreamed about the things of God, who prayed multiple hours a day. I mean, that's what I thought I was going to. And David said, no, no, there is no prayer meeting. I said, okay, well, let's start one. Do you want to start one? And I'm going to tell you, David and I talk about this often when, when we get together, but he and I met for two weeks, just the two of us, mm -hmm. on Tuesday and Thursday. Mm -hmm. I think it was 6 a.m. We'd meet at 6 a.m. We'd go to about 7.30 before class started at 8. And we would get on our faces on the steps of that chapel and cry out to God. Just the two of us, such a great um, 
season as I think back to that. We opened it up to a few more guys, and eventually we had about 10 or 12 guys. But we began to pray for a revival in the city, okay? Um, and one of the things I realized is that not a lot of students were interested in prayer. You know, Leonard Ravenhill told uh, David Wilkerson years ago, he said the greatest problem in the American church is that pastors do not pray. Mm. Now, I'm not talking about praying for meals. I'm not talking about a pastoral prayer. I'm not talking about praying over your people. I'm talking about beseeching, travailing, wailing, pressing into God kind of prayer. Mm. I'm talking about praying until something breaks. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. So, uh, when I left, uh, when I went to seminary, I started to pray there. Then I met Tim LaFleur and I uh, went to Glorietta, New Mexico. Tim and I started a prayer group. Then after that, I began to pray with a man named Jody Blaylock. I was at Emanuel Baptist Church and I had thought I'd prayed up to that point. And, uh, Jody was uh, just in town from Katrina. He had lost everything in New Orleans, and he walked in Emmanuel Baptist back then, and we were experiencing a revival of sorts at Emmanuel. And he walked in, and he said to me one line that changed my life. He said, who is your prayer partner? I said, oh, I like to pray. Yeah. He said, no, 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 that's not what I asked. Who's your prayer partner? Who is the guy who is holding you up and praying with you and praying for you? I said, I don't have a prayer partner. He said, meet me tomorrow, McDonald's parking lot, 7 o'clock for prayer. Mm. I thought, wow, this is going to be great. A total stranger I've never met before in a McDonald's parking lot to pray. McGriddle, was McGriddle out at that point in time? It was. The McGriddle? Yeah, that's my See, favorite. That's what I've been thinking. Well, that's what I thought, too. McGriddle, Egg McMuffin, right. you know, Honey Bun, honey bun right. Coffee. We'll pray for five minutes, you know, yeah. like over our meal. No, no. As I got to the parking lot, there's Jody in his SUV. He's waving me over. I go sit in the passenger seat, and the two of us begin to pray. He says, hey, can I call my boss, uh, who's my prayer partner, named Doug? Put him on the phone, and the three of us will pray. One hour later, he says, I got, he said, I got to go to work. I walk back to my car. I'm thinking, where's my, where's my McGriddle? Yeah, where's the McGriddle? Where's the McMuffin? <laughs> and uh, we met in that parking lot for three months. And we prayed. And then eventually it got hard to do that. And then we eventually started to pray every day together as I went to school and drove to campus. And so I began to pray with him. And I thought, man, I'm learning how to pray, right? Mm -hmm. Then I started pastoring at Brainerd Baptist Church, and now I'm at Long Hollow. And I've always considered myself to be uh, open and, and understood the need for prayer. But it wasn't until COVID happened mm -hmm. that I really knew and understood prayer. Uh, and really started to press into God in prayer. So here's what happened. When COVID happened, Jody and Doug, the original guys, Tim LaFleur and another guy named Earl, uh, who was at my first church, who actually was the one who found me uh, and brought me to Emmanuel Baptist mm -hmm. Church. He was the search committee chairman. Uh, so the, the five of us committed when COVID happened mm -hmm. that we were going to pray until we get back to some normalcy. So we went in, and every day we committed. Five guys spread out across the country, all in a business or ministry. It's just very difficult to organize. But we committed to 3 o'clock every day. We were going to make it, and we prayed for an hour to an hour and a half. And we committed to pray for 49 days. We didn't miss a day. By God's grace, I still don't even know how this was able to happen. But every day we cried out for an hour, hour and a half a day wow. for God to move. Okay, so that was the seedbed for the COVID revival, as we affectionately call it, the COVID, the COVID <laughs> revival. So uh, that was the seedbed. Then it was the 10 months of praying. Then it was the expecting God mm -hmm. to respond to a word that he gave me on the porch mm -hmm. when God spoke to me, oh, um, immediate obedience. Mm -hmm. well, actually, the word he spoke to me was spontaneous baptism. He demanded immediate obedience. Right. Spontaneous baptism. And I'm like you, spontaneous baptism. I've never done that before. Yeah. How am I going to do? I've never even seen that before. 
I've seen I've seen people manipulate the thing. I've heard articles about people prime the pump. Mm-hmm. You know, you stack it with a with a VBS night or stack it with yeah. a camp share night, but I've never seen a, a people respond to spontaneous baptism. Yeah. And so I honestly, Chris, prayed for two days before I shared it with anybody. Mm. And I remember sharing with y'all on Thursday night and saying, here's the deal. Mm -hmm. I feel like God's leading us to do spontaneous baptism on Sunday. Mm. And we said this before. We had just emailed the church that week and said, stay home if you can. Don't come. Mm -hmm. This is our last in-person gathering before before we go online for four Four weeks. weeks. Tennessee was leading the country in COVID cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a mask mandate in the worship center, and you know as well as I do that that will rub some people the wrong way. We got emails saying we were part of communist China. We were in cahoots with the government. You guys are ruining my free. I mean, you name it. And y'all have gotten those too. You know, we're part of a conspiracy theory. But anyway, so we had everything. We stacked everything, everything against it. it against it's almost people. like Elijah. Put more water on it. Yeah. <laughs> Just put a little bit more water That's on the. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Any more water? Yeah. Tell them to stay home. Any more water? Nobody's here. Any more water? COVID. You know, it's like, okay. So everything was stacked against us. Yes. When we got to the worship center that day, we had prepared. We went out and bought shirts and shorts and towels. Mm-hmm. When we got to the worship center that day, I remember looking out like you on the congregation and thinking for a split second, mm-hmm. there's nobody here. Well, I got a text from Colin. He said, not, not a lot of people in the room today. Yes, yes. Now, now, <laughs> We're all thinking the same thing. Now, let me, let me say one more thing before the break. The Lord gave me a number, which is very odd to think about, but the Lord gave me a number, and I went back and looked at the video yesterday. Yeah. Gave me the chills. I said to the staff on a, on a Saturday night, I released a video to the staff and time-stamped what I believe God was going to do the next day. I just felt like they needed to know. And I just told them about we're expecting spontaneous baptism, and the Lord gave me the number 100. Hmm. Now, if you've ever been a part of a baptism service, 100 spontaneous baptisms is miraculous. It's a pipe. I mean, are they, it's the, one of those things where a pastor with a lot of faith says the number. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. then you know you get half that. And you're like, man, yeah. so grateful. Yeah, we, but we I actually would have been grateful. Well, we would have been grateful, but anything. but I believed. I believed yeah. we would see a hundred people. I just had that much faith in the Lord. I sat with the Lord. I, I mean, I naively maybe believed, but I believed God was going to do something. I believe you believe. You believe that my belief was strong. And after the break, we're going to talk about what happened on that day when we gave the invitation for baptism. As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support, practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple-makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. And we're back talking about walking in the water. Hmm. Not on the water, in the water. And we, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about how we got to this point. Again, this is nothing, in, in our minds, this is nothing we controlled. This is nothing we manipulated, we created. There's no process for this. There's no management system for this. Hmm. Uh, we're just loving telling the story that is still ongoing of what God is doing in revival 
in our community and really across the world as he's continued just to blow our minds every single week. Mm. I keep thinking to myself when I show up, wonder if God, what God's going to do this week. And then there's that little side is like, is he going to keep doing it? Yes. And begging God, keep doing, it. do it again. Yeah. You know, we sang that song uh, a couple weeks ago. I think uh, we want God to do it again and mm. again and again. And right now, he is continuing to do it again. And At this talk, point, yeah, yeah, there are four hundred and eleven people who have followed through with baptism mm. in seven weeks. Is amazing. That, that, that's what we're talking about here. So, for those listening, saying, yeah. "Okay, is this really a move of God?" Four hundred and eleven people counseled. Yeah shared their gospel presentation story. Some were told, no, you know, you've already been baptized. So right. this is not just, hey, if and you mass, walk in the water. Mass majority adults. Mass majority, 80%, I'd say, are, are adults. Yeah. And either the story is one or two things. Either I was baptized as a child, strayed, thought I was saved, left the, you know, left the faith, came back to faith, got saved as an adult and just never followed through with baptism. The older I got, the harder it was to follow through in obedience. Mm. But the second reason, and we hear this a lot is I was sprinkled as a child pastor, like you were mm -hmm. as a Catholic when I was Catholic. And I came to faith in Christ later and I believed my sprinkling was good enough for me. Yeah. And so I just never, and a lot of people who just, uh, be our new believers. They see what God's doing. They want to. They want to go from death to life, put their faith in Christ and fall. Yesterday, we had forty nine people make decisions for Christ. We had a hundred people respond, but yeah. we had forty nine cards of people who were making decisions mm -hmm. for Christ. So you just see, it's not just baptism, although right, baptism right. is the expression. So anyway, so we got to the service. Mm. Okay, all of this prayer, all of this seeking the Lord. There was a little bit of uh, anxiousness. Mm -hmm. uh, for a moment, like I said, because I looked out and I thought, nobody's here, just like Colin. Well, so, Christmas was in three days. Yeah, Think Christmas was three days away. That's right. We're thinking, hey, we'll, we'll go to Christmas Eve service, but they were gone. I don't need to be here. Our staff had taken off. Our a lot of our staff are already on vacation. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we get up, and Colin, my executive pastor, does the announcements. After he does the announcements, he goes back to the booth, sends the text to you guys, then starts talking in the intercom to the ear of the worship pastors that, that are leading. Hey guys, listen, um, I know Pastor Robbie thinks or expects to do this spontaneous baptism. There's really nobody here today. I mean, I don't even know if anybody's not a Christian in this place. Sorry, Colin. Yeah, well, Colin told me this and he had to <laughs> confess it to me and repent because he said my little belief. But anyway, so Colin tells him, listen, we got all these songs to play for this long baptism time play it by ear, we probably don't need the songs. Yeah. Okay. So, and listen, honestly, in, in the flesh, I would have thought the same thing. But right. remember, I, I had gotten a word from God. Right. I, I was convinced. I believed in spite, I mean, it's Gideon. 10,000, no. You know, 30,000, no. 10,000, no. 300, all right, we're going to make it work. Well, 300, what are you talking about? Yep, this is, this is what I need, you know? So what the Lord showed me is little is much in the hands of God. Mm. Okay. So there I was. Um, I gave the uh, response time, or I, I finished the message. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember what the message was. Somebody said, was the message good? I don't even know what the message yeah, was. Yeah, I remember Do saying you remember it the message? your greatest message. That's right. And it wasn't a bad one at all. It was just, I was thinking, that's an even greater sign that God is working here, because it wasn't like you preached some it wasn't memorable. amazing, uh, it, it was good. Do you remember it, Robert? 
No, he don't remember. Nobody remembers. Robert it. remembers everything. So if he doesn't yes, remember, yes, yes, and that's what's I'm neat not even about sure this. You preach that day. Now that you're saying, it, it. It. <laughs> it may, I may not have even preached. Who knows what happened? We might have just got lifted into the heavenlies that day. But that just shows you right there as a pastor preacher. You think your best message is going to bring people to God, and it may. I mean, I've preached message where I thought, man, I really think that's going to do work in people's lives. No, no, no. The Lord showed me it has nothing to do with your own manufactured ways. This is all spirit-led, spirit-driven. This is my, me calling dead bodies to live. This is me speaking in to dry bones. This is what happened. So at the end of the message, I got up and said, hey, we're going to do something different. I know you're not prepared for this and you didn't come prepared, but I really feel like there are some people here today whose baptism is not in the right order after salvation or who were baptized as a child and never followed through a believer's baptism, or today you're coming forward to be baptized for the first time. Mm. Would you come? We have counselors here. We have clothes. We have towels. Now, we've gotten more efficient in seven weeks yeah. where we actually move the area. We have a better changing station. We, we have two baptistries. Two ready. baptistries. At one time, we had three baptistries. <laughs> right. But back then, we had the solitary baptistry, Mary. Yeah. No, no, I think we had two. Or no, did we have one? Uh, I think we started with one. I think I we had recall. one. I can't, I can't did we had one. Yeah, Robert's one. Yeah. Golly, to think back, which is only seven <laughs> weeks ago, to think back, just we, we were totally unprepared yes. for what was going to happen. Yeah. So we said, hey, uh, if you're interested, come. So I move off the platform. I go stand by the baptistry. Colin is in the ear of the band. He's like, listen, I don't see anybody coming. Don't, don't. Oh, wait. Hold on. Yep. Here comes one. Okay, wait. Nope, here comes two. Okay, we got two coming. No, never mind. We got two more coming. Y'all keep playing. Keep playing. So Colin had to come up after and say, man, I had to apologize for my lack of faith. The first service, we baptized 25 people. Mm -hmm. And we thought, like you, I mean, think about your church. You baptized 25 people, most of whom were spontaneous. I think we had like six planned or something, Mm -hmm. that first service. We were blown away. We were yeah. looking around like, what just happened right here? Yeah, yeah was, we were like, what in the world just happened? Okay, yeah. okay, Robert just found the sermon, which none of us could remember. Yeah. What kingdom are you serving? Ooh, Maybe okay. the sermon okay. was better than we thought. It's just that we don't remember the sermon because it's overshadowed by what God was. That's right. I talked about Herod's kingdom and the kingdom of Jesus, the mm, kingdom of power right. and pride, if you remember. The two, yeah. Yes, and the kingdom of shalom and peace of Jesus. Mm. And I asked, what kingdom are you serving? But but again, here's the point. It was not the message. I'm just telling you. It is not the it was not the message. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So uh, I go back to the baptistry and I said, uh, would you come? So 25 come and uh, we're blown away. So we go, I go in the green room and I'm eating breakfast, which I normally would eat between services. And so we're hanging out in the green room. Remember this? Mm-hmm. Knock at the door. Robert was there. He said, Hey. Pastor, uh, there's somebody here who just drove from an hour away or 45 minutes away. They watch the service at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, and they want to know if you'll baptize them between the services. <laughs> I'm like, between the services? What is going on here? You sure? Of course I'll baptize them. So I go out and I ask him, how'd you find us? I just happened to be scrolling through Facebook or YouTube. I was looking at YouTube and saw the service. I saw the people baptized. It compelled me to come. Mm. Great. We baptized this person. Walk back in the green room. Ten minutes later, Pastor, there's a guy who's part of a biking group. I think he was like a biker or something. He drove his bike in. Yeah, he wants to know if you'll baptize him between the services. I'm like, what is going on here? Now you got to remember, I don't know much about revival. I, just full full disclosure, I've learned more about revival in the past seven weeks reading book after book than I've ever learned in my life. So I don't know 
the signs and the marks of a move of God. Mm -hmm. But now I know just in hindsight, when God moves, when God truly moves, what happens is he moves people. Mm. He moves people to come to be where he's outpouring or his spirit is outpouring. Mm -hmm. Okay. But this is what you got to understand. Movements begin by not moving. And I want you to hear that. What does that mean? That's antithetical. Mm -hmm. Movements begin by not moving. Here's why. Movements begin by not moving. It was 11, 10, 11 months of sitting with the Lord, being with God, before I ever saw God do a tangible thing of mm -hmm. doing in my life. Movements begin by not moving. So if you're listening and say, man, I want to do that, you need to be willing to sit immovable with the Lord hmm. for him to do a deep work in your life. I come out for the second service and I say, hey, um, once again, low crowd, nobody there. I'm thinking nobody's going to come. And remember, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking 100. Yeah. But at this point, it's like 25. <laughs> We've got a lot of work to do, yeah. Lord. And I uh, give the invitation and just an outpouring of the spirit of God. As you said, the service lasted, mm -hmm. you know, hour and 45 minutes. I mean, people kept coming and coming mm -hmm. and coming and they were changing on the spot and baptized. It was unbelievable. At the end of the day, we left there with 88 baptisms mm -hmm. at Hendersonville, at the Hendersonville campus. Yeah. 88 was a little off of a hundred. So I thought, well, I was pretty happy with it. I, yeah, we were, believe me, I was not discounting <laughs> the Lord. Blown, yeah. 88 baptisms. And then we got a text from Gallatin. Yeah. They baptized 11. That's right. And so that day we saw 99 people baptize. That's right. I'm convinced somebody baptized himself in a tub somewhere. I mean, I'm still handling, <laughs> holding on to that, Robert. But, but the point is this, and here's the point before we get on to what happened after that. Because what happened the next day really started to show us, okay, this is an extraordinary move of God. Do we save that for next week? Well, let me just give you a hint. Okay. We got texts from people asking, could you come to my house mm. to baptize me in my hot tub? <laughs> and not just one time, multiple times. And that's when we started to say, okay, this is an uncanny expression of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. This is a surprising work of God. Mm -hmm. And so we realized we were on holy ground at that point. And so what I started to think about at that point was, what is the source that needs to rise for the river to follow? Mm -hmm. Remember, no river rises above its source. And I'm going to show you what we did with our staff. And I'm going to show you what God began to do with me in the weeks ahead. But we left that day really rejoicing, mm -hmm. saying, can you believe God led 99 people, many of whom, if you go back and look at the video online, you can go watch it. It's the 20th of December, Long Hollow, many of whom were adults. Mm -hmm. Little did we know we were on the cusp of what would continue now for seven weeks of God just exceeding expectations every single week. And we will continue to talk about what's happening. Uh, I love hearing about it, even though it's our immediate history. <laughs> I love continuing to, to dwell on what God is doing and will continue to do prayerfully. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, share it with someone. If you get the chance, rate it wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast.
you can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.